everyone, it's Leanne from the Alberta Motorcycle Safety Society and welcome to Think Bike, a podcast about all things motorcycle and the voice of motorcycle safety and awareness in Alberta. We like to talk about everything motorcycle related and bring you great guests to share their stories. So thanks for tuning in. On today's podcast, we're going to go out into the country and talk about some rural riding tips with our special guest, Trevor Deck from Too Cool Motorcycle School. Thank you for coming back for more episodes on season three. Well, I'm just sitting out in the middle of this field. Oh, no, it's not actually in a field, but yeah, no, obviously this is uh, any time, you know, Leanne, that we can talk about motorcycles, safety, just the experience of it. I'm just more than happy to do it. So thank you. Well, you're welcome. I appreciate the time that you thought you guys give us every year. And uh, we need your expertise, so to speak, on some of these topics. Last year, we talked about your off-road training um, program that you have, that you do. Let's get more deeper into rural riding tips. We kind of touched on it with the Calgary Chief of Police last year. Um as you know from statistics that we've released from the past three years during the pandemic, a lot of fatalities have happened out in the rural area. What are some really like, well, let's start with the good part. What is the best part about riding out in the country versus the city? You know, I, I think, um, you know, it's just the, it's, a, it's just kind of being, it's a, that experience we always talk about, you know, you go out there, there there's seemingly less distractions, le- less to worry about. We, we often say in school, you know, we, we share with you the techniques that you have to practice correctly to get you out of town safely so you can really enjoy what this country is about. And I'm not just talking Canada, anywhere you want to ride from the States down South America, across the pond. It's, it's all the same on two wheels. Uh, maybe in some countries you're on the other side, but again, those are things you got to be familiar with when you're traveling to different parts of the world. So what would you, for you, if we're riding around Alberta, my favorite thing is open road and mountains. What would be your favorite part about riding out outside of the city? I like being able to see water, whether it's, it could be a river right beside you, like the Great Divide. It could be riding and then looking over your left or right and seeing the ocean or a sea there. Maybe it's because, you know, I was born in Saskatchewan and been in Alberta all my life. And I don't really get to see that. Even my wife's computer has a, a picture of us in, in Maui looking into the ocean. And just something about seeing a boat on the ocean is, is a little different. Maybe some, it's a, seeing a tractor or a cow or the mountains they talk about or a waterfall or maybe just a rock formation. Something that maybe is interest to you uh, inside, like something you learned in school that you're actually seeing it for real and it's just quite an experience to be out there you know it's one thing in a car you know that's fine you can see all the same spot but it's just about being out in the open maybe a little bit more susceptible to the environment and different things that we're going to talk about today but it's just that all out enjoyment that you just come back and you a lot of people run with cameras and gopro and all that stuff but the memories that stick inside your head will never be as clear as any video it's just always something that you can close your eyes and just you know what i remember that and that's kind of maybe 
gets you through that little hard part of the day or getting a little bit close to the weekend. And that's, and that's one thing I love about it. It could be a 10 minute ride at lunchtime. It could be a couple hour ride at night after work, or maybe a weekend to 10 days to a month or even longer than that, whatever it is, it goes in your memory banks and it's just something that it just makes you smile. I'll uh, I'll 100% agree with you on being the born in Saskatchewan and then moving to Alberta because we share that similarity. Um, Aside from my favorite part of being in the mountains is chasing waterfalls. So we don't have really anything like that in Saskatchewan. And on a motorcycle, you have the ability, especially if you're on a dual like dual sport or a dirt bike, you have the ability to get to areas that cars can't. And I mean, there's a, you're right. It's I, there are times I take no pictures because those memories are just for me. And I appreciate that, but there are concerns about being out on the open road, whether you're on the highway or you're trail riding or whatever, just when you're out rural riding, what are some of the biggest things to be concerned about? I really believe complacency is something that kind of creeps into us. It, it's probably in our cars. You know, we don't get in our car any every day to get any better unless there's a test or something that we have to do. And I, I think we we fall into that, no pun intended, on a motorcycle as well because, you know, we're, we're spending all this mental attention, we say. We got like $20 of attention. And 10 is spent just looking after traffic, five hours looking after this, 250 looking at this. You don't have much attention. But then you get out of town and you, you take that deep breath and all of a sudden you almost let yourself kind of fall into, oh, you know what, everything's okay here. And there's times where you're riding on the road and it's it's beautiful out and, and you know, you got great sidelines. And there's the time where maybe you can, if you have cruise control, you can put on cruise control, but, but it it never really ends. Even from the tall fences that are in the parks that give you some kind of a, almost an imagined safety that you can just ride what you want. And then people start, I'm going to go 10 K faster. I'm going to go 20 K faster. Every time you go in 10 K faster, that's 33% more energy that, that you have to try and slow down. And this is where you really have to develop uh, a gut feeling. And I remember taking a trip with Chris Haynes down through Baja from Ensenada all the way through the Baja right to Cabo. And after that, it, it really keyed into the senses of what is my gut telling me to do? So I'm going to go on the road and I'm going, you know what? I don't like kind of what's going on. Maybe the trees are a little bit too close. So I'm going to slow down a little bit, pay attention a little bit more in the front, start scanning. I'm, you know, I think I might have to stop or slow down. I'm going to cover my brakes. You know, I'm going to put my foot over the rear brake and I put my hand over because I just feel because it's that it's that reaction time. So if we're prepared, it's more active and it doesn't take away from the experience. But gosh, there's times where you you're not on a train and you're just going through. You're not on tracks and someone's looking after it. It's you in a single track. And you got to have that mindset. Like once you put you if you got, let's say, um, big footrests and big highway pegs, as soon as you do that and you kick back there better be really, really good sight lines, and it's got to be safe with traffic, two lane as opposed to single lane. There's so many different factors, and it's just using that gut going, you know what? I just feel I should be a little bit more prepared because we all heard it. Uh, deers jumped out. Something's come out. Oh, I was surprised. Why, why were you surprised by it? 
you know you're out there. You're dealing with this issue every single day. We live in Alberta. We come from wherever we are in the world. We have to understand that this is a probability, and it's not going to happen on the worst of weather days because less people ride. Maybe people are more aware when it's bad weather, but now it's nice. Everything is beautiful. It's 23 degrees out, and you just cruise right along, enjoying everything, putting that stuff in the memories. But as we do that, we still got to be concerned with, you know, who we're going to get back to. Like, if you're riding alone, Leanne, it's a beautiful thing to do. You know, just going out there, experience, but at least let someone know where you're going, what's your plan. Think of it sort of like a flight plan if if you're a pilot. I'm going to go here. If you don't hear from me here, like, it just gives that, I don't know, that respectful peace of mind to everybody in your family, whether it be a friend or a family member. Maybe don't tell your dog. It's hard to relate, you know, the, the language barrier and stuff like that. But maybe put a map around their neck and leave them at home, whatever the case is. It's it's that type of controlling complacency, I think, that would really make not only the ride so much better in so many different a- avenues, but we're out there learning stuff every time we're putting on a kilometer. So it's time that we can't be that complacent. And I think that's that's a big thing for me. So when I go out, when I'm riding on Crow Child, let's say, I got two fingers over the, the front brake thing. And if I got to slow down, I'm going to squeeze the brakes. I'm coming up to an intersection in my car and I don't have good sidelines. I'm going to cover the brakes, come off the gas. I do the same thing in my car. Do I cover the brakes every single moment? Some people do, and that's fine. I don't find that I do. I just, I seem to, when the gut tells me to do it, I'm going to cover because then I'm active and I'm ready to go rather than just leaving my hands over the controls. I want to be in a, it's almost like taking a safety off a gun. Now I got my hand on the trigger. I'm ready for it. You know, if you're not covering, if you're not ready, then the safety is off and it takes that moment to enact what, what you might need to do. Absolutely. I remember uh, one of my trips into BC and I was on the three a, we were on our way back, just got off the ferry heading towards Creston and there's a lot of tight corners and there are a lot of blind corners in there and and something in my gut there was three of us and i was in the middle of my two friends something in my gut said slow down on this corner and i backed right off and it was it's weird that intuition and that gut feeling and you have to trust it because when i came around the corner my friend in front of me had braked hard there was a gold wing in front of him that had braked hard because a vehicle was doing a three point turn in the middle of these two blind corners. And when we all got into Creston and we, we didn't know this fellow on the gold wing, but we ended up talking with him anyway. My one friend looked at me and said, thank God you weren't right behind me. And I said, something told me to just back off. And I did. And it gave them the space they needed to not worry about what's behind them and do what they need to do to, to stay safe and not create issues. Gut instincts never ignore them. What do you think is more dangerous? Other drivers out on rural roads or wildlife? You know, both are unpredictable, really. Both, you know, we're all animals react out of fear and confusion. I think it's probably for me, depending on the road design, you know, if you got two lanes going your way and there's a separate good barrier and two lanes coming together, people going head on, it's a little less likely, especially with a lot of the barrier fences. Usually because if you're in a 110K zone and you're doing 110 and the traffic's doing 120, at least there's a 10K difference. When a deer jumps out, 
or whatever wildlife comes out, um, you're approaching them at a pretty great rate of speed. And I always say, you know, if you suspect it, like you said, you have that feeling start slowing down. If you see, if you see any livestock or any animals at all, just just start slow down. You know, flashing the brake lights, maybe get some of those um, things you can wear on your helmet. If you add more light bar, whatever the case is, anything to let people know that hey, I'm slowing down just like you did in that ride, you were able to adjust your speed, adjust your spacing. That caused the person behind you to do the kind of same thing. And that that's where you can all help each other. So I, I think because people don't see the deers all the time and they see cars at a time, the cars are a little less of a worry because it's something that we see. It's just the animals that can just appear out of nowhere. And that's what we got to be always trying to do. Even every once in a while, beeping a horn, you know, trying to cause some sort of movement. Uh, Some people say, oh, those deer whistles don't work. I put them on my bike. I don't see any deers. Uh, They can't be, whatever the case is, whether they do or not, maybe it's not a bad idea. Obviously, anything that we can do to get rid of that complacency and how about being pleasantly surprised when we ride, like when you back off a little bit and you give yourself a little space danger cushion like you did or moving back because you know that car once in that lane, you know, and seeing that car come up quickly that you move over and, and basically prepare for that. It's, I hate being surprised. There's a few times I've been riding and all of a sudden there's a car and I'm like, why didn't I see that car? The brain does a funny thing in the mirrors. It's always trying to say, you know what? Everything's okay. Well, it's not. It's that scanning. It's really focusing in. Like every morning I sit down and I enjoy a little coffee that I made. I play with the dogs, but I also do eye training exercises to work on visual focus skills. And as it doesn't matter what age you are, being a, strong with your vision is so important in our sport, whether you're a pilot up in the air or a pilot on the ground. And that's, that's what I see. Like we, I've done many road rides and you always want, yes, we want to avoid riding at dawn and dusk, but sometimes you end up riding like that. We recommend not riding at night, different things like that to, to minimize the risk uh, in this sport. But sometimes you get caught. So how can we ride in a more dangerous time the best we can? Slowing down, using our eyes, using our lights, getting extra lights put on, anything that we can do to minimize the risk. We'll never get rid of the risk. We know that. But that's maybe kind of a little thing about riding anyhow is that little risk. But in a car, you've heard that cars also get in problems with animals. And sometimes the people inside don't make it through either. And it's all I say is, you know, you recognize that. You've got to get on the brakes. You've got to slow down. Anything you can do to, to reduce that energy. What kind of eye exercises do you do? Because I would imagine that might help with peripheral maybe, or. Well, it's, it's, it's truly in that peripheral vision can detect movement faster than direct vision for sure. So uh, I learned this from Rich Oliver at his mystery school and he sat us down and, and taught us what King Kenny Roberts taught him because Kenny Roberts noticed when he was riding that it just seemed that he wasn't seeing things quick enough he wasn't able to identify things because his son that was racing with him on the same team was just better in certain sections and a lot of people think well why are you bringing in racing well racing has a lot of parallels to our sport even though we're in our own track and they're in their own track we're still 
kind of doing the same thing. They're moving through space and time a lot faster. But I've seen some people on the road go pretty darn fast as well. So what I do is I do a little eye warm-up. I might rotate my eyes three times one way, three times the other, blink a couple times. Then I'll look up, down, side, side, corner to corner, you know, blink a couple times, do that again. But the big thing what I learned is a focus drill. I just use with my thumbs, one at arm's length, one a little bit close to its focus, and I go to the far thumb, back to the close. I do that 69 times. I do that 69 because that was my pro number and also one of my favorite races every, God rest his soul, Nikki Hayden. Uh, so I do that. Then I go and I put my thumb at arm's length and I pick something maybe 40 or 50 meters away. There's that deer. So focus on the far object, come back, refocus in on the thumb, and again, I'll continue doing that. 69 times. When I first did that with Rich, my ability to focus on the far object was absolutely terrible. It was like a set of binoculars slowly coming into one vision and now doing it every morning. I can now almost do it faster than I can say it. And how that has helped on the, on the road, probably immeasurable. Where I really saw it is when I went in for an eye exam and they started seeing how my eyes were starting to improve. And I continue to do this. And I, even the person that was working there asked, what am I doing to, to try and do this? And I explained to them, and they give this exercise out to some of their clients as well. And this is what we've said in our school. Thing, everything we can do to help. And the vision is the primary concern because the vision connects to the brain, connects to the body. And then those skills that you've learned and attained over the years, you put into practice. But don't practice on the road. Practice in a controlled area and then get ready to real practice for real out on the road. Absolutely. Um, I got to I got to start trying to do some eye exercises and see if I can improve my vision, which I never had glasses until probably seven years ago. I did pretty good um, without it runs my family, but they are a muscle. I mean, you should work uh, work them out. I just don't think people realize that. And I can see how that would be super beneficial when you're out in the country because there's so much more you have to be watching for than just the vehicles on the streets and the intersections in the city. Now, to me, the city always seems a little bit more dangerous because of the congestion. But as we've talked about that wildlife, I mean, if people don't understand that deer or moose or elk can turn on a dime and like you just don't know where they're going. I don't try and outrun a deer. I back off and let them go to wherever they're going to go. Luckily, nine times out of 10, I feel they go back in the forest. But it's that one time where they're going to veer the other way and you're going to be in trouble. In a car, you're probably a little safer. Although, yes, sometimes uh, people... Don't pull through on those types of collisions, as you mentioned, but uh, we definitely have a harder time on motorcycles. So, I say in class, you know, it's uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so um, that brings me to like gear. I see a lot of people out riding in the country. It's a hot day and they're in their short sleeve shirts and, you know, and stuff like that. What would you say would be, obviously, I know the answer to this question, so I'd be surprised if it was any different, but what would you say would be appropriate, like, I guess, any time on the bike, not just in the country? Well, you know, it's, like you said, you kind of know what I'm going to say, and everybody kind of realizes this this type of thought, you know, yeah, all the gear all the time, but it, it, it can get to a point where it can be, 
uncomfortable to a point that it is a little bit distracting. So how do we still be involved in the sport, but still be comfortable at the same time? You know, in, in cold weather, it doesn't seem to be an issue. People are going to wear their gear. Then they get into things like, hey, I'm going to get a heated jacket. I'm going to get heated grips, heated gloves. And I remember, you know, when, when I was growing up, heated grips, like what the hey is that all about? Wow, you bunch of sucks. But you get to a point where it's so cold, you know, even if you're worrying about your hands, even for a moment, you're taking that few dollars away of those attention dollars I talk about. And at our school, I, I every one of our bikes have heated grips because I personally won't ride a bike without one because I know even in the middle of July, it can be a little chilly. All of a sudden you get your hands warm. One less thing to worry about, but it's the hot weather. So I think if you're riding in really hot red, we have to understand this is a recreational sport because it says sport. Yes, we need the gear, but how about factor in taking more rest stops, more breaks, and not only to to enjoy the ride, but enjoy the stops along the way. Because if you're riding in 40-degree heat down in Phoenix, it's not fun. But if you can take smaller little shots to, to explore different areas of the country, all of a sudden you give yourself a little bit of rest, and then you're willing to put the gear on and then go for a ride. And then if the inevitable happens, it's not, you know, if, it's about when this happens – you're as prepared as you can. And, you know, it's all about minimizing, you know, the injuries if something were to happen. So it's, it's really a mindset, you know, where we're so, we get in our cars and we can adjust the temperature. We can do all these different things, but it's when you're in a motorcycle is where you have to understand that you have to change that philosophy. And if it is too cold or too hot, maybe a car is maybe a better solution. If, if that factors in, because you put on your protection around you as soon as you get in the vehicle. Well, and hydration would also be a, a high point on that. Like people don't understand that when you leave your skin exposed in those really hot days, that actually is dehydrating you a lot faster. And so if you're not needing to pull over to pee, you have a problem. You're already too far gone on the de- dehydration scale. So there's camelbacks, there's, you know, there's cooling vests. Now I got a cooling vest last year for the first time. And that makes such a difference riding in plus 35 BC Kootenays weather. I felt like I could ride a lot longer and I felt a lot better about it. So there is advancements in gear that uh, that we're going to get into on another episode that that can factor into all those things. But the last thing I just want to touch on really quickly, preparing for rural rides. Like, what are some of the key things? We've talked about a flight plan. We've talked about gear. We've talked about, you know, what what are some of the key things of planning for a ride out in the country, whether you're by yourself or with your friends? Well, let's think, yeah, we've kind of covered a lot of things on the solo riding, what we got to do, but let's, let's talk about more group riding. And this is something that I've had a lot of experience and we take a group every couple of years, about 23 people out uh, in the cusp. So there's, there's highways and there's twisties. So think about the highways. You're using the highway to go from point A to point B. This is where we got the staggered riding, you know, left and right of centers, one and a half seconds diagonal between the bikes. We come up with some hand signals. This is something that, you know, should be 
emailed out or talked about our little riders meeting, just like before we go, let's have a riders meeting before we go. Let's make sure we all understand the signals because we're all there to ride as a group. Yeah, we're going to ride in some smaller groups. We're going to pretend like four of us are a car and we can allow traffic to move and flow unless it's a double lane road. Well, then you can, you can stick in your own path, but then you get to the twisties. This is where there has to be an understanding among the group saying, look, our, our strategies are going to change a little bit. We're going to go in a single file fashion. Let's give ourselves three to four seconds between riders. Now, do we, one of you, let's use the middle third of the road. Let's stay away from that center line. Let's stay away from the outside white line because there's where the gravel is to our right and oncoming cars to the left. We know, generally speaking, a left-hand curb is more dangerous for a rider or a car driver because if you could float in your lane, we're going to the right. Now, we got to be responsible that now we're not riding out or maybe a big truck is coming at us and the trailer is cutting into our lane. So if you think about that middle third and, and some people say, well, you don't want to be in the middle third because there's going to be oil and that's that's more true when you're going to an intersection, you're coming to a stoplight where cars sit. Generally on the highway, it's going to be pretty clear sailing for the most part. Again, it's just where cars stop. That's where that stuff pools. But that's only for the twisty section. And then you're not treating it a racetrack. You're just working in with that, that little area. And then it's go in slow. You know, you can analyze things and have fun coming out of the, of the actual curves or corners to get to that speed limit. That's, that's what I love, you know, getting into the corner, get settled in there. Look at my exit. I know I can take away the enable for add throttle and just that feeling, that rush that you get of that traction can really help out. And then you're slowing down. You're looking through that corner, looking for animals, looking for, you know, people doing three point turns, you know, all those little different things on there. You got to be able to recognize that. That. I've been in the corners in too fast on a racetrack and it scares the living bejesus out of me. I'd rather go on a little bit slower, get my bike pointed because I, I ride my bike based on direction. And when I get that exit, I can see it open. Then it just, it's such a great feeling getting back up to the speed limit. I agree a hundred percent. So yeah. So then our takeaways for preparing on the group side of things is have a plan and be on the same page. But you my dad s- always said no plan, no hope. <laughs> said that before I went to school, I'm like, dad, I don't know what you're talking about. But now it, it, it means so much to me in my life, for sure. That's an excellent, excellent point to, uh, to end on. Trevor, oh my God, I, every year you give up time and I thank you so much for that. I love all the great information with the rural riding tips and so happy to have you back on season three. And I look forward to more with you. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of stuff to put this together. So I, I can't thank you enough. And anytime I can talk motorcycles that that's that's i've been doing this for a long time and i can't wait to do it for even longer all right that music means it is time for today's mailbag question which is coming to us in an unconventional way because it's not so much a mailbag question that came in but a news flash that came across my uh, desk quite a quite a while ago back in february Uh, This will serve as a reminder, uh, now that we're all back out on the road on our bikes, passing emergency vehicles on the highway. This has changed. As of March 1st, and 
I tell you, I moved here from Saskatchewan and we did this in Saskatchewan all the time. When I moved to Alberta, I couldn't understand why all lanes didn't slow down to 60 when passing an emergency vehicle. This has now changed as of March 1st this year, 2023. All lanes on a multi-lane heading in the same direction need to slow to 60. If you're on a single lane highway, both oncoming and and traffic going in the same direction, the lane adjacent to the emergency vehicle, both lanes need to slow to 60. This is to hopefully lower any risk or lower the risk to our emergency vehicle people from being hurt while they're attending to an emergency on the side of the road. So tickets for that are also increasing. Uh, They're going probably anywhere from 100 and something to Uh, north of $800. So you want to make sure that you are going to slow to 60 if you see an emergency vehicle. That's it. That's all. Please do your part in keeping our roads safe. And that is it for our show today. To make sure you don't miss out on any of our upcoming podcasts or listen to previous ones, make sure you click on subscribe or follow wherever you get yours. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover, a guest you think would be great on the show, or a question for our mailbag segment, let us know. You can connect on all the socials, email us at info at ab-amss.org, or reach out through our website at ab-amss.org. Always remember to ride smart, ride safe, and think bike. We'll see you out on the road.